0: It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports, the where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson.
1: That's right. It is Thursday. And, of course, that means secondary perspective. We are here. A little bit of technical difficulties, but that's what you deal with when you deal with some uh, electronics. But we are professionals here, and we work through it. Uh, you know, we, we live in a world of a free society, and we're, we're deemed our, our word. Our word is our bond, and, and that's we what we are held uh, to. And today on the program, you know, like I said, we always try to bring you uh, some of the best and the brightest in sports and entertainment. And our job here is not just to talk about sports. We want to educate the people on what's happening around them. And we are happy and glad to be joined by director of Trace Amounts, Eric Gladden. And you've probably seen uh, his film, uh, Trace Amounts, on real time with Bill Maher on HBO. And he, he's been interviewed by, by everyone, NBC and, and Montana. And once again, we're glad to have him on the show. You can follow Trace Amounts on Twitter at Trace Amounts uh, on, on Twitter once again. Eric, thank you for joining the program. Hey, Nick, how are you? Thank you. I'm I'm doing wonderful. I mean, uh, we are blessed uh, to have a person of yourself, of your caliber, uh, on the program, this film, Trace Amounts. I've had an opportunity to to watch it totally, totally blew me out of the water as far as what I thought was the right thing that was being told to so many different people. It just seemed like that's not the case. So so tell tell the people, tell our listeners, what made you do this documentary, Trace a Mouse? Yeah, so it started back in 2004.
2: I was uh, building my fence in my backyard and scratched the top of my head with a rusty nail, kind of had a mishap while I was building my fence. and went down to the local urgent care and got a tetanus shot because I hadn't had one in, you know, over 10 years, and that's what you do. So, you know, without questioning it, I went in and got a tetanus shot, and it made me extremely sick uh, neurologically and, you know, physically, mentally, the whole the whole um, shebang. So I went through this long process of trying to figure out what was wrong. You know, I was seeing a neurologist. I was seeing every type of doctor you can imagine. And to make a long story short, it was ultimately pinned down to the, thimerosal, which is a mercury-based preservative that was in that vaccine. It has nothing to do with the efficacy of the vaccine. It's literally just in there to save pharmaceutical companies money. And so once I went through a process that, you know, and it's very controversial as well, I I took these drugs that would bind to the mercury and kind of excrete it from my body and brain, all my symptoms went away. And so that kind of sparked the initial research, and once I started researching the science and and really trying to figure out why there's mercury in these vaccines to begin with, I, I literally couldn't stop and that kind of sparked the whole, the whole revolution.
1: So, I mean, in California right now, the, the, the battle lines have been drawn and it and appears on the surface it's whether to Uh, vaccinate or or not to vaccinate when you look at this from your standpoint is that really the gist of what we need to think about you know the vaccinating situation and and what i'm talking about for those who don't know it's sb-277 in california and and there are other states that are implementing these type of bills but specifically sb-277 as it pertains to california to vaccinate or not to vaccinate is that the gist of this this whole push eric yeah, so SB 277 is is basically going to strip parents'
2: rights of uh, filing for a religious exemption or philosophical exemptions um, for vaccines. So they're going to be forced if they go to a private or public school. They're going to have to get all these mandatory vaccines in order for their children to attend. Otherwise, they'll have to homeschool their children. So, you know, this is <clears throat> very scary just from a kind of a human rights perspective is, you know, they're going to force these vaccines to be taken in order for you, to, your child to attend school. So they're gonna, And they're not giving these vaccines for free. They're actually forcing you to buy these vaccines from these pharmaceutical companies that are, that are profiting billions of dollars. That right there is, is scary by itself. But then when you look at the dangers, you know, this isn't a one-size-fits-all. We know there's a, a susceptible population to very severe effects from some of these vaccines. That's why there is such a thing called the Vaccine Injury Compensation Program. This is funded, you know, probably $3.5 billion to children who have been damaged, you know, brain damaged or or died from the result of these vaccines. So the biggest problem is there's no liability at stake for these pharmaceutical companies. So their product, if their product harms any child, they have no liability. And because they have no liability, there's no incentive to make these vaccines safer. You know, we all know that vaccines are necessary, want want to protect human health against infectious diseases, but we also need to make sure that they're extremely safe, and we're identifying who that susceptible population is so we can, um, you, you know, protect them from this type of damage. So this is a very scary bill, and we know it's 100% driven by the pharmaceutical lobbyists. This has nothing to do with, with the, you know, to protect human health or protect our children. We don't, we're don't. we not in a crisis in this country. There are not major outbreaks. This measles outbreak in January at Disneyland was probably the smallest epidemic ever known to man, but the pharmaceutical lobbyists, just thrived on it, and state by state now they've been trying to introduce these bills to force these vaccines on children. And besides that, besides all the, you know, kind of stripping of of your American rights and your freedom, you know, my film dives deep into the corruption within the CDC and the organizations that oversee the safety of these vaccines. When you look, and there's something called the Freedom of Information Act, where you can access government employee emails and their closed-door meeting transcripts, and we've talked to their scientists, the level of corruption will make you sick to your stomach, and what these guys have done just in regards to the thimerosal issue and how dangerous that was, and once they realized that was 100% causing autism, without a doubt, they went down the route of really protecting their liability and financials instead of doing what was right for the children and stopping this disaster. So these same people are the same people responsible for vaccine safety right now, and there's a serious problem. and the parents, parents are seeing it. They're hearing Bill Thompson who still works at the CDC, who did the big studies, they're hearing him talk and say that CDC's manipulated data, covering up a link between autism and vaccines. And they're seeing the published data. They're seeing these emails that are, that are brought out through the Freedom of Information Act. So they have legitimate concerns. And what our government's doing is, instead of fixing the corruption and everything that's causing the concerns in these parents to vaccinate, they're just forcing them to vaccinate against their will now. And this is, this is absolutely absurd.
1: Well, we're talking to Eric Laddin director of the documentary Trace and Mouse Eric you, you said two things that really piqued my interest the first was the fact that okay you get this this vaccine but there is no repercussions if your child is vaccine injured and you know how, how is that you know how is that even allowed because i know if 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 i were to drink and get in my car and run into someone else i mean there's repercussions for me but there aren't repercussions for a company who produces a vaccine that injures a child. How how is that even legal?
2: Yeah, well, what what happened was back in the 80s, you know, these pharmaceutical companies were were saying, we're going to stop making these vaccines because we're getting sued because they're, they're causing so much damage, basically. And so Congress stepped in, and there was a 1986 vaccine act that basically pulled any liability away from these pharmaceutical makers. So they would continue making these vaccines. So that's when they started the Vaccine Injury Compensation Program, where now everyone who gets these vaccines pays a surcharge, and that surcharge goes into this big pot, and anybody who gets damaged by these vaccines now is paid out of that pot instead of pharmaceutical companies. So literally, there is, since 1986, there has been nothing done to make these vaccines safer. And we know we're using old, old technology that that was invented in the pre-FDA, never went through clinical trials like Dimerosal. and, And, you know, there has to be some incentive to continually make these vaccines safer because we know that children are being damaged. Yes, they're saving lives as well, but they're also in a susceptible population causing significant harm, and we need to target what that susceptibility is in order to protect these children. At the same time, make them overall safer for the rest of the children. You know, we can never be too safe when it comes to our children. And I saw a great meme on Facebook the other day that, you know, we're all grouped in this just being called you're anti-vaccine, you're anti-vaccine. That's not even close. This has nothing to do with being anti- or pro-vaccine. It's kind of like saying if you question something about the safety of cars, you're not called anti-car. You know, So it's there's so much more to the story here. And the general public, once they see the film Trace amounts, they'll see they've been completely misled by the news media, by big pharmaceutical companies, by CDC for year after year after year. And when they finally watch it, they have a very, very strong reaction to it.
1: Now, now, really quickly, Eric, I mean, when you hear people, and I know you have just as though I have as well, I continue to hear that the frame of mind, it's for the greater good, the reward outweighs the risk, but more importantly, the science. You know, everyone, everyone I talk to, they, 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 they kind of talk about the science is there in support of this. What is it that you say And, and as far as that is concerned? The science has not been done, period. The
2: science they have done is the most fatally flawed conflict of interest science I've ever seen in my life. It's beyond anything tobacco science was. This is embarrassing. I can't even believe, you know, they've spent millions and millions of our tax dollars creating this junk science that in a split second you can point out the biggest flaw. And and you can look at all their documents and emails, too, and and, and trace back what they did. They found a major, back in November of 1999, they found one of the biggest relative risks ever with thimerosal, and, and autism, and then you see all their emails that we obtained through the of Information Act where they what they did it shows exactly what they did to get that relative risk down to nothing basically and and, and then present to the world this published data that shows no relative risk they 've never studied unvaccinated populations versus vaccinated populations they 've never studied all these vaccines given together there is so much Misinformation out there. As far as the science has been done, anybody that says the science has been done knows nothing about the science. Knows nothing about anything about this subject. To be honest with you, the science has in no way been done, and we've got to do. We've got so much work to do to really get to the bottom of of what's really going on. But we know for a fact, with science that's never disclosed, and I'm talking animal studies, biological, clinical, all the right science, not just epidemiologic, which is population studies. Because these guys have only used population studies, which you can manipulate the data any, any way you want. Two of the most genius epidemiologists can do the exact same study and find the exact same results very, very easily to man- manipulate the data. So when you look at the clinical, biological, you know, animal studies, blood studies, hair studies, all that type of science, it proves down to the cell what's going on as far as specifically thimerosal and, and neurodevelopmental disorders like autism and ticks, speech delays, ADD, ADHD, and all those. So the science is I believe at this point well, is is proven down to the cell what's what's going on with some of those conditions and the link to vaccines.
1: If you're just joining us, you're listening to Voice America Sports Radio. I'm your host Nick Ferguson. I'm joined by director Eric Glading of the film Trace the Mouse. I recommend that you all see. Uh, Ten seconds before we get out of here, Eric, it's always a pleasure to have you on and informing our listeners of this very important information. But tell the people about. Mandate the Truth website and where can they find out more information about this movement and what's going on?
2: Yeah, so there's two websites. The first one, if you want to watch the film Trace Amounts, you can go to com You can rent it, download it, uh, buy DVDs. The other organization, Mandate the Truth, is an organization that's really targeted at pushing back on these bills and not only pushing back on the bills, but uh, getting out ahead and, and try to ban any type of discrimination based on vaccination status. And it also targets getting the whistleblower, the CDC whistleblower, Dr. William Thompson to come out and tell the world what, what's really been going on behind the scenes with the CDC manipulating the data and the science. And then we want to really push back on the 1986 Vaccine Act. We've got to have some type of liability at stake for these people who have their products that, that are profiting billions of dollars off these things, and we're forced to take, <clears throat> as well as opening up the vaccine safety data link. We've got to look at the, the data, the big medical records to see, with independent scientists, to see what's really going on, what conditions could be linked, and how do we protect the susceptible population that, 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 that can be harmed by these so. Um, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. So Mandate the Truth is really targeted at, And, and, and again, it's nothing to do with being anti-vaccine. We want safe vaccines so we can all protect ourselves and our children in the future from infectious diseases.
1: Well, there it is from Eric Gladden, the director of the documentary film, Trace of Mouse is not about, you know, anti-vaccine and vaccines. The fact that vaccines are healthy, everyone wants safer vaccines, I recommend that you go to the website, uh, tracetemouth.com, Take a look at this. See for yourself. I was always told as a youngster, gain the knowledge myself. So I encourage you to go out and do the same, Eric. Uh, thank you. I know you're really busy guy. Thank you for joining the program and dropping some science, uh, real science knowledge on our listeners. Appreciate it. Thank you very much, buddy. Thanks a lot, Nick. All right. Coming up after this short break, we're going to talk to nine-year NFL vet about DeAndre Johnson and DeAndre Jordan. Word is bond. Man is his word. We will see. We will see what Mike Pritchard has to say after this short break. You're listening to Nick Ferguson, secondary perspective here on Voice America Sports.
3: Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports.
0: You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call one 346 9144 That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Big Ferguson Secondary Respective. That was Eric Gladden once again. The director of the documentary film, Trace of Mouse. Once again, I, if you are an individual that uh, loves knowledge and, and seeks truth, uh, please go in and check that out. But to follow that up, Mike Pritchard, nine-time NFL vet, I mean, Atlanta Falcons, first round draft choice, Denver Broncos, Seattle Seahawks among the team that he has been a part of. But most importantly, the 1990 national champions, the Colorado Buffaloes, and, the, uh, Prince and I go way back, and I told him while we were on break I was going to go into the 1990 uh, championship and see who actually won Colorado-Georgia Tech, but I'll save that for another time. But I really want to talk to you about uh, this whole situation about Florida State quarterback, freshman quarterback that is uh, DeAndre Johnson. Uh, uh, Obviously, you've heard about this story being a part of ESPN 1100 in Las Vegas. When you look at, at the video, and if you have, What did you really see take place in that video?
4: You know, Nick, um, and good to be with you, by the way, Um, I I think what I saw originally was visions of what we all saw with Ray Rice, man. I mean, initially, right? Uh, You see the video, you see the elevator, you see Ray Rice, you see it now why it's being dragged out of the elevator. And then so uh, here you go again, right? That's the initial reaction. And that's what a video does. I mean, it's vivid. Uh, and it hits you right, right in the face, basically, with, with the reality of what happened in that situation there.
1: Now, I've been going back and forth uh, with individuals on Facebook and Twitter about this situation. And the way that it's always started is the fact that DeAndre Johnson hit a woman. Now, right. I had a chance to, to, to break that down. When I say I broke it down, I broke it down like some game film, like. And what I originally saw, and follow me, if you will, when he, he, he goes up to the bar, there's two women to his left. He, it seems as though he asked them politely to move. They moved. He's trying to slide past them. There's a woman to his far right who then turns, peers around, looks him in his face, and then he, he has his right hand on the bar as he's trying to, like, pull himself towards the bar because there's a crowded bar. She then yeah. moves her left hip closer to his arm, and then after that, that made contact, she then turned around and some words were exchanged. We really don't need to know uh, the content of the words. But then she balls up her right fist in, in an attempt where, where I would have thought to, to punch him. He then grabbed that. And then she, like a southpaw, came with the left hand and hit him in the face. He yeah. retaliated. Now, I have to say this, Mike. I don't condone hitting women of any sort. But let me follow up right. with this. I don't condone fighting as well. I was told by my mom never to hit a woman, but she always told me to defend myself. Now, I have to ask you, where do we draw the line in our society between protecting one's own space and what's considered to be violence?
4: You know what? That's the question here,
1: Nick. I mean, can we draw that line?
4: Can we really have that distinction? In a highly volatile situation, in an emotional situation, can we really think clearly or, or think straight, right? I mean, that's the question. I guess if it's within you to understand never to hit a woman, you have two choices here. You can walk away, you can confront, restrain, and then call security. Um, but then again, we're talking about being in the right frame of mind to do all that, right? Um, I'm not sure if DeAndre Johnson has that maturity level yet to where he could really ascertain a situation and then make that decision. Um, I'm, I'm looking at a, a young freshman, a young kid there at, you know, in school, going to a bar, uh, being in an environment where, let's face it, we've all been to bars before. It's not for It's not, it's not, it's, it's a very immature situation more times than not. So if we're going to put ourselves in those situations, I think we need to be better prepared for it. Now, an older DeAndre Johnson might've been prepared for it to wear he understands what I have to lose. He understands what what is at stake. If I haul off and hit this woman back, even though I might be defending myself, how it's going to be perceived and how people are going to look at it is going to be more detrimental for my future than anything that's going to happen right here at this moment.
1: Well, just joined us, we're talking to nine-year vet Mike Pritchard. You can find him on Twitter at MI, uh, Pritchard. He represents co-hosts for... ESPN, 1100, and Las Vegas. But I have to ask you about this. Nothing has been said too much about the young lady involved in this situation, and no one feels as though anything will happen to her because she's not you know, a college athlete. She's not a professional athlete. So it really doesn't yeah. matter. But, but is there a double standard in our society, especially knowing that Hope Solo, who just won the women's national team, they won a uh, World Cup uh, trophy, there hasn't been really too much buzz around her and her domestic violence issues. So well, what are we saying to both, both sides, both men and women, when this happens in society?
4: You know, it's interesting, Nick, and it's a great question, and I think that's why we're having this debate right now or, or people are across the country. Because if you look at Hope's situation, I mean, a lot of people feel that she shouldn't have had the privilege to be on that team because of her arrest record. You know, I mean, you look at other sports, It's consistent uh, with with their arrest records or allegations of of domestic violence uh, that they're dealt with harshly. You look at Brittany Griner, you know, and her wife, uh, her then wife at the time, um, with the WNBA. She's suspended for her domestic violence incident. Society needs to have the discussion. What, What is acceptable? I mean, what's acceptable and what's not acceptable? What are we going to punish and what are we not going to punish? What are we going to? put in a higher regard over sport and what are we not going to be put in a higher regard over sport? I think the nature of the women's national team for the Women's World Cup probably overdid or or, uh, overcame uh, the situation with Hope Solo. Uh, And people wanted to forget about that because, hey, we We needed to root for uh, USA, right? So it's a societal problem, uh, and you're right, uh, it, it crosses both lines, men and women. Uh, But going forward, I hope that we have more discussion on how to solve
1: the issue. Now, I know, Chris, you played in the league for nine years, uh, Atlanta, where, I mean, you know being a professional athlete, one, you have family coming out of the war work if you're a first-round draft choice, but then that's the other side of the spectrum. You have people who are targeting you specifically because you are an athlete. Even though you played nine years in the league, have you experienced that? And two, how did you handle that?
4: Oh yeah, man. All the time, Nick, you know, it's, if somebody wants to challenge you for whatever reason, uh, somebody wants to get in their face or your face, call you, uh, something that they think is going to set you off. But again, you know, as I matured and as I understood my situation, high my profile picture that I was involved in, I needed to make wise choices. I, you know, you make mistakes. You don't always make the wise choice, and sometimes you pay for it. Uh, But if you try to make the wise choice, the wise decision, then a lot of times you'll avoid trouble. I'll give you a great example, man. Growing up here in Vegas, inner city, you know, I wasn't wasn't the most talented guy on my team or at my school. And there were some guys that had more talent than me. Uh, But I was driven, man. I wanted to go to school. I wanted to get an education. So I tried to avoid every situation I could that would derail that. Whereas some of the guys, you know, they took other choices. They went other ra- routes. And some, unfortunately, uh, have ended up where they're no longer with us and some are, are locked up. So, you know, it's, we're always presented with crossroads and we're always presented with choices. Uh, and you hope that you can make the right one a lot of the time.
1: Now, now, I'm pretty sure something that seems to be a growing trend in professional sports and more importantly, the NFL is, PEDs. Uh, as of late, Antonio Great, the talented tight end for the San Diego Chargers, you know, he tested positive for PEDs. As a guy that played a long time in the league and did it the right way, do you believe the stories when guys, after being tested or testing positive, come out and say, Well, I didn't know what I was taking? Is, is there any <laughs> belief to that? No,
4: man. there's no belief. That's an excuse. And it's, uh, it's a weak excuse, really, because you know, Nick, You go into the training room, it's a pharmacy in there, right? There's doctors, sometimes two, three team doctors, there's trainers. So if you need something, you can ask for it from one of those guys. And and seriously, I mean, I don't know why guys think that they can get away with it, especially with the testing and the serious nature that that the NFL wants to test under, the scrutiny that they're going to put on you. So if you need anything to enhance your body or, or heal your body, Go in the training room, talk to the team doctor, talk to the trainer, and nine times out of ten, I bet you they have it in their in their caps up there. So I, I I have no I don't have any um, justification uh, for why guys think that okay I need to go find some product that's going to help me, and I didn't know what I was taking. I I really don't think that's an excuse anymore.
1: Well, you know what? Here in Los Angeles, there's a, a situation I'm sure that is brewing. You probably guys were. Will probably talk about if you haven't is the deandre the jordan situation where he verbally committed to mark cuban for a four-year 80 million dollar contract and then had a change of heart now when you look at this situation or outside looking at do you look at the Clippers any different do you look at deandre jordan different as a man because i thought your word was your boss
3: yeah
4: yeah you know that's that we all thought that way i think um you know what Nick, we've both been whined and dying. I mean, free agents or or being recruited uh, coming out of high school and presented with so much in your face, so much opportunity, whether it's financial or whether it's it's a perceived better position with a different organization. Um, I'm not mad at DeAndre Jordan for changing his mind. Um, Maybe he could have handled it better. Um, I mean, it sounds like, and all the reports coming out, uh, it it really sounded like the Clippers – thought the door was still open or, or perceived the door was open because of DeAndre Jordan. Uh, so they walked through it, man. And then they barricaded him in that room and made sure that he was going to keep his mind. I, and I think that speaks towards DeAndre Jordan. You know, for the Clippers to go to the lengths that they did to, you know, bunker him in and keep him from the outside world, basically, you know, he's weak-minded. He can easily be swayed. And Dallas got him one time. so And now the Clippers got him ultimately in the end. So I think DeAndre Jordan needs to fix that because any appearance, and you know this, any appearance of, of having a weak mind can really dampen, hamper you uh, when you're competing out there. I mean, we think about the collapse of the Houston in the playoffs. They lose three games in a row. Uh, who collapses like that? Well, you collapse like that if you're weak mentally, and if the Clippers got better with the addition of uh, Andre
1: Jordan comes back. Well, you know what? For for me, once again, I still live on this premise. My father's always told me, if you don't have a dime to your name, the one thing that you can stand on is your word. And like you said, I don't blame him for changing his mind. I mean, we live in a society where you should have free choice, but you don't verbally commit and then have a change of mind, and then now nah, you go back to your previous team. It's just like if that's the case, then the Clippers and DeAndre Jordan should have went ahead and made this deal before he even hit free agency market but that, that just me but before we let you get out of here i definitely have to talk to you about being uh inducted into the colorado athletic hall of fame class of 2015 real quickly i mean what, what was that experience like for your 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 college that you gave so much to to recognize you for your athletic and academic contributions oh man you know it's a thrill of a lifetime nick i mean it really
4: immense a legacy for me at that institution. You know, you, we go through, through school and, and, you know, trials and tribulations, blood and tears, right, uh, school, education, um, on the field, uh, the ups and downs. Uh, and then it all gets validated when they want to select you for the Hall of Fame. And it really uh, summates my career there, summates my experiences there. Um, uh, you know, I'm already in the Nevada Sports Hall of Fame, so to throw this on top. Uh, to be in the CU Hall of Fame. It's a tremendous honor, but again, it just cements that legacy for, for my family and something I'll be proud of for the rest of my life.
1: Well, I tell you, Prince, man, I mean, it, it was great, uh, watching you back at CU and win that national championship, but also to see that, that your academic and, uh, athletic accomplishments are being recognized by your institution, man. Uh, I give you a mile high salute for that and, uh, also man, tell your family I say hello and have a great show, uh, today on ESPN 1100. If you, uh, want to listen, that's where you go find Mike Pritchard, ESPN 1100. You can find him at MI Pritchard on Twitter. Always great to talk about, but I'm going to have to get you back at some point so we can kind of put this to rest as far as the 1990 championship Georgia Tech or Colorado at some point. Oh, absolutely. I look forward to, uh, letting you, or reminding you that we were the
4: unanimous champion in, uh, Golden, uh, go, uh Golden, uh, Georgia Tech. Was, uh, I think they won one poll. I think you guys had one poll. So, uh, yeah, I look forward to
1: that conversation. Appreciate it, man. Well, no problem. Thank you, Pritch. Coming up after this break, some exclusive audio that no one has of the conversation between Mark Cuban and DeAndre Johnson, DeAndre Jordan, excuse me. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss it.
3: The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice of America Sports.
0: You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call one 346 9144 That's one 346 9144 Or send an email to nickfergshow at
1: gmail.com.
0: Now, back to the show.
1: Oh, man, great show uh, this morning, uh, Eric Gladen and uh, Mike Pritchard. Uh, Mike Pritchard, obviously, there's a funny story, and we're kind of getting to get into it at some point when we have Pritchard back on the program. Uh, and it goes back to, you know, Georgia Tech and the Colorado Buffaloes. If you're familiar with the situation in 1990, those two teams played at separate times, but uh, co-champions of the National Championship trophy. Uh, I mean, it would be great to have a college playoffs back then, but we did not. So it's like, well, who was the rightful winner of that year's national championship? If you're a Georgia Tech fan, say Georgia Tech. If you're a Colorado Bus fan, some say the Colorado Buffs, but I think, you know, Tom Osborne and maybe a couple of fishers uh, who were there officiating during that fifth down in that Mizzou uh, Tigers game may say different. I, I don't know. I don't know. But we'll have... Pritch back on the program and a couple of Georgia Tech guys at some point uh, during the college football season to debate and finally put uh, this uh, to to rest. Uh, of course, everyone celebrated uh, the 4th of July weekend, and I'm always a stickler for safety. I mean, there, there, there's so many people who say that they they could, do, could have done my job as a professional athlete, and I say maybe not. Maybe you could have partly have done it, but maybe not have done it at a high level. And on 4th of July, I, I like to leave the pyrotechnics to the experts. And a couple of NFL players, you probably heard Jason Pierre-Paul of the New York Giants, uh, index finger, you know, partial amputation, and then C.J. Wilson, uh, quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, lost not one, but two fingers. Look, I know we love – Uh, for the July weekend, and I don't know all the details of what happened with these two guys, but hopefully this is a lesson to be learned by everyone involved. Fireworks are really risky. They are really dangerous. Even if they look really small, you should not keep them around minors. If you are not skilled in operating it or knowing how to efficiently light a firework, please stay away. I wish both these guys a speedy recovery and hopefully they can get back on the gridiron and continue uh, a level of, of excellence, especially uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, because I know the Giants were definitely uh, counting on him uh, a lot. Obviously, we know about this uh, uh, DeAndre Johnson situation, and I've been talking about it at nauseum, and it was great to have Mike Pritchard come in and shed some uh, light on the situation and it not seem like that is coming from a very biased place on my part, listen, you know, I don't make the news. I just report the news, and that's what I'm doing. And When I look at in my personal evaluation of what happened and in that video with uh, DeAndre Johnson uh, and his dismissal from Florida State, I saw something a little different. But I understand Florida State, John Thrasher, and Jimbo Fisher. The fact of saying we just dealt with a situation with now – first-round draft choice of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Jameis Winston. And that's the last thing we need. We don't need more bad PR for, for the university. So, so they had to try to get out in front of this and do something right away. And, once again, I, I don't condone what, what Johnson did by no means. Yeah, you want to you know, use you know, restraint and walk away, but we've all been in situations where sometimes it is hard to do And people have come out and said, well, maybe you have to remove yourself from places like nightclubs and bars. But let's be realistic, people, when we look at the situation. This is something that could happen at Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, at the airport. I mean, God forbid, during the holidays, and we know how stressful the holidays can be. If the mall is packed, you don't want to park far away. So those those parking spaces closer to the entrance are prime real estate. And we've seen people cut other people off. You're waiting for a parking space, Someone zoom in, and you're frustrated. I'm not saying you get out and you, you go to foot pista the cups but we've all been in situations like that. And I, I don't look at him and say, listen, he's a young kid, so maybe he should get, a, get out of jail free card." car. No, by no means. But we also have to look at the individual, the female that was involved in this. And, listen, I've taken some flack on... Uh, social media about me saying that, listen, she should be held in such high esteem and regard and level of responsibility and accountability as DeAndre Johnson. But there, there isn't too much being said about her responsibility and what she should do. You know, he went to jail, $500 bail to get him out. Something should happen to her, maybe a fine of some sort, because, hey, we've always heard, heard this cliche saying, it takes two to tango. He wasn't involved in that situation. And we can sit here and say, well, he's a strong guy. He's a football player. And it just kind of boils me up when I hear other people say, well, football players are born and they're bred this way to be physical, the physicality. So they can't separate the two on and off the field. They can't turn it off. Let's be totally honest. This isn't just a Florida State thing. This isn't just an NBA thing. This isn't just... Uh, NFL thing. This isn't just a Ray Rice thing. This is a problem that is has plagued our society for a while. There are men who have been domestically abused by women, but haven't come forward because in our society, how would it look for a man to come out and say that maybe his his wife, his girlfriend grabbed the broom or a frying pan? I'm going to tell you this, and normally I don't put air in my dirty laundry, but it plays right into what we 're talking about with what happened with DeAndre Johnson. I was involved with a female who accosted me, and I said it you know once before on the program, but maybe not in great detail, you know she was frustrated. she snatched my chain, hit me in the face, you know drew her blood with it, but you know i didn 't go in on her. you know I used my restraint and didn 't go in on her I'm, I was looking for more logic as to how this situation actually took place. But that just goes to show you, domestic violence does happen. It happens to men. You know, it happens to women. All I'm saying is we just need to stop it. Period. Walk away. The young lady in the bar, if she felt as though something was done to her inappropriately, she could have said something to the bartender. She, to herself, could have gone and got maybe security and said something and had DeAndre Johnson escorted out of the nightclub no one gets a get-out-of-jail-free card here you on know, secondary perspective no one we all have a right and responsibility we have free choice we talked a little bit about that with Eric uh, Gladden the director of the documented film Trace of Mouse that is something that should not be taken away from us we all have that right but with that right comes a level of respons- responsibility On another note, let's get to another DeAndre, but this is DeAndre Jordan of the Los Angeles Clippers by way of the Mavs back to the Clippers. And I have a little exclusive, exclusive, no one has this, some audio from the conversation that took place between DeAndre Jordan and Mark Cuban once Mark Cuban found out that he was going back to the L.A. Clippers. Take a listen to this. Nah, son. Nah. Yeah. I'm sorry, dog. For real. Damn, Yo, but... dog. And then sometimes that, that's the way it goes. Nah, nah, son. Nah. Come, come on. Listen. So I thought your word was supposed to be your boss. How do you go back on your word? I mean, you, you gave your word to Mark Cuban of ABC Shark Tank. And it just seemed like he was won up by Steve Ballmer, the very excited, uh, Clipper's owner. I, I know, listen, Mark Cuban is a very intelligent man. You know, he's not going to take this lying down. Now, and I don't know what the league is going to do about this, but Adam Silver has to get on this because there aren't no rules, there aren't any rules against this. Let's be totally honest. Let put that out there first. So you can verbally commit to a team but you can't really sign with them until July 9th, right? So you go on your word, and, and in the case of the Mavs, hey, they let players go. They move, moved on when they could have signed guys. They could have gone out from other guys in free agency. But, no, that, that's not the case. They missed out on a couple of guys because DeAndre Jordan gave his word. He gave his word. And I'm wondering – when he goes and he plays in the NBA and he goes to, you know, arena to arena, I wonder how fans are going to look at that. More importantly, I can't wait to see how the NBA schedules the games between the Clippers and the Mavs. I mean, that, that has to be a, a must-see. I know I want to see. I want to see how Cuban, the fans, actually react to this type of situation. But if you're a Clippers fan, you're happy. Because DeAndre Jordan had Doc Rivers. Paul Pierce, who hadn't even signed his contract. He had uh, Blake Griffin, and then also CP3, Clifford, and and Chris Paul were there, even though DeAndre Jordan and those two had issues. And they they, they had Billy Crystal there and and, uh, maybe uh, Jimmy Fallon. I don't know. They tried to pull everyone they could into that Houston residence to try to get DeAndre Jordan to return to the Clippers and – as a parent, they were successful in their actions to get him back into the fold. Hey, J.J. Reddick put him on blast earlier that day and say, listen, we got an F grade in free agency. So maybe that prompted Doc Rivers and Steve Bauman to go and say, listen, we need to go back and get him back. They should have never allowed him to get out of the building in the first place, but who's to say? Maybe I'm just going on a rant. But all I know is free choice and word is bond. You're supposed to be a man of your word. One more time, let's see that clip of DeAndre Jordan and Mark Cuban's uh, exclusive conversation. Nah, son. Nah. Yeah. I'm sorry, dog. For real. Yeah. yo. Th- dog. And, I, and I guess that's how uh, the cookie crumbles. Uh, supposed to be a man of your word, bro. But apparently that doesn't make a difference. So, he did four years, $88 million, and remain with the Clippers, and that fourth year is an option year for you. So we have to stay tuned to see what happens. I want to thank Mike Pritchard for joining the program. Also, director of documentary film, Trace of Mount, Eric Gladden, for joining us. As always, have a safe weekend. Be kind to your fellow man, and remember, word is born. I'd like to thank. My three amigos here at the pavilion, here at Church Science House, for allowing me to film the program, and also Joyce Justin on the boards back in Arizona. Appreciate it. See you next next outside of the weekend. Have a good one.
0: Thanks again for stopping by. Be sure to catch Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. in the West on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll share some more great stories next week.